Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Mutual of Omaha. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to take a close look at the path ahead for truck platooning. This emerging technology combines automation with vehicle-to-vehicle communications to enable trucks to brake and accelerate in unison on the highway. At least in the near term, each vehicle will continue to have a professional driver in the cab, but the technology would allow the vehicles to travel together in tight convoys at significantly shorter following distances to help save fuel. This concept has existed for many years now. We've seen numerous platooning tests over the years, including large-scale demonstrations on public roads and even some initial fleet trials. This technology has been pursued by tech startups, truck manufacturers, and major industry suppliers, as well as government officials, both in the U.S. and internationally. Despite all this interest, platooning has not yet advanced beyond this testing and development stage into broad commercial availability. So what will it take for this vision of truck platooning to become a reality on the nation's highways? And when platooning does reach the market, what form will it take? We'll set out to answer those questions in this episode. In the past, much of the conversation about truck platooning has revolved around fuel savings generated by the shorter following distances, as well as on-road safety. But more recently, that conversation has begun to shift toward higher levels of automated driving that could yield significant benefits for driver and carrier productivity. If the driver in the following truck in a platoon can completely disengage from driving and rest in the sleeper, you can see a ton of potential for reducing fatigue and improving efficiency. Of course, as we discuss automated driving, we also have to ask ourselves whether government regulators, law enforcement, and the motoring public will be ready for it. Later in the program, I'll bring in my colleague, Eleanor Lamb, a government reporter at Transport Topics, to discuss how public officials are reacting to the emergence of automated trucks. But first, we're excited to welcome Chetan Marichli, co-founder and CEO of Locomation, a Pittsburgh-based startup company that has entered the race to develop and deploy truck platooning technology. Thanks for joining us, Chetan. Thanks for having me, Seth. It's a great pleasure to be here. So the concept of truck platooning, where two or more trucks connect wirelessly to form a convoy, has been a topic of discussion in the trucking industry for quite a while now. But Locomation is really taking, I think, a, a very interesting approach to this technology. So in a nutshell, your company is developing a two-truck platooning system where the follower truck can drive itself with no input. And that means the driver in that truck can actually step away from driving and even go off duty. But of course, you can explain this a lot better than me, Chetan. So, you know, how does your system work? Well, you actually explained it uh, quite well, but let me elaborate a little bit and give an example. Uh, assume that we have two trucks, as you said, and we have two drivers. The drivers uh, drive the trucks completely manually, just like they do today, to get through the urban areas, to get through the congested traffic, uh, etc., up until they are on the freeway. Once they're on the freeway, they engage our system. Assume that there's a big green button and you press the button, and now the two trucks form a convoy. Once the system is engaged, the driver in the front truck remains in control. In fact, assumes the control of the entire convoy. And the driver in the follower truck now can leave the driver's seat and go off duty and go rest, sleep, read a book, or browse the internet. 
And at that point, the follower truck turns into a proper fully autonomous truck with the only job of knowing where the lead truck is and be able to follow the lead truck. Yeah, so and that's a really interesting uh, approach to this. And you know, when you think about this, you know, while that system's engaged, the driver of that lead truck is effectively driving both vehicles at the same time on the highway, you know, while that other driver in the rear vehicle is resting. So you can really think of this as, uh, as an advanced form of, of team driving, but with two vehicles. So how would a, a team driving concept work with this platooning system? That's a, that's a perfect analogy to, to our system. It's exactly like traditional team driving where you have two, two drivers taking turns driving the same truck. In uh, our system, that you still have two drivers taking turn driving a convoy of two trucks. So you are doing the traditional team driving with an extra truckload of uh, freight that, that comes with you. On top of that, uh, in traditional team driving, two drivers have to stay in the same cab and share the same personal space. In our version, the drivers get their own cabs. So while uh, benefiting from the, the perks of team driving, they also can uh, have their own personal spaces and have a, a little bit more comfortable driving experience. And of course, you have uh, a huge you know, productivity gain from uh, multiple vehicles in, instead of one. And that's where I want to kind of take the conversation next. You know, when we think about the, the business case for platooning, much of the early conversation about this in the industry has really focused on fuel economy improvements. Uh, because you have a shorter following distance, it's more aerodynamic, you can save fuel. But with locomation, you know, we really are looking at that potential for some very significant gains in fleet productivity and, and driver productivity. And would you say, you know, that productivity gain is actually the, the primary return on investment for a platooning system like the one you're working on? Absolutely. In fact, if uh, we, we have, uh, we list three pillars of value proposition uh, uh, brought by our system. First and foremost is the improved asset utilization and driver utilization. That's definitely the number one. The second one is improved safety through assistance of the autonomy. And the third one is, of course, the fuel savings. We cannot over, overlook the, the fuel savings. There are some significant numbers there. But when you look at the bottom line and uh, look at the dollar values, the uh, benefits or the savings coming from improved asset utilization and improved driver time actually is about a magnitude higher than what you would gain from the fuel, uh, fuel efficiency. Sure. And can you quantify at all uh, what types of uh, productivity gain you might see You know, if a, if a carrier is able to... Uh, roll the system out, just how much better in terms of uh, utilization and uh, of both uh, the equipment and uh, driver time do you really see here? So when you look at the, the industry norms today, uh, the average utilization time per day is about seven and a half hours. And with our system, in an ideal case, we would like to be able to push it up to uh, 10 and a half hours per driver shift, which is actually the physical limit what a driver can do. And on a per truck basis, we would like to see numbers close to 22 hours a day or even 23 hours a day, except for some very light uh, pre-trip, post-trip inspections and some few refueling activities. Of course, the actual uh, realizations will depend on the actual routes and the actual scheduling uh, system per fleet, but the uh, theoretical gains are there. Yeah, it's really fascinating. But... I mean, when you think about how you could really potentially reap the, the productivity benefits of a system like this, there's also an important question to answer from a regulatory standpoint, uh, and that really deals with hours of service. You know, if, if the driver of the following truck is resting in the sleeper berth, you know, will that driver be considered off-duty, or will that still count toward uh, driving time under hours of service rules? You know, it really is, a, I think, a central question, and I want to understand – 
Locomation's approach to that question and how will the regulations need to change to take full advantage of a platooning system like this? Uh, for that particular uh, hours of service concern that you brought up, the, the regulation is already there. In fact, there is a very recent ruling declaring the sleeper birth time non-compensable. Uh, so the drivers sleep, drivers uh, cruising in a moving truck, but in the sleeper berth and not actively driving are already considered off-duty. Having said that, most fleets uh, honor the time spent in the cab and end up paying the driver a fraction of what a, a full-time uh, driving activity would pay. But uh, in our case, when you look at the overall uh, labor efficiency uh, point of view, now we are bundling two trucks together. And uh, in the team driving scenario, that normally would require four drivers to take two trucks to, say, a thousand mile uh, route. And in our case, you only need two drivers to take two trucks. So uh, you actually have the luxury to uh, compensate the resting driver a little bit better than the industry standard today, while still seeing huge improvements in your bottom line. To, to shortly answer your question, again, to wrap up, uh, the uh, re regulations of hours of service for that particular matter is already in place. Uh, there are a couple of uh, other uh, flexibilities required in the hours of service. Uh, such as we would like to have the drivers be able to spend the first half an hour or uh, 45 minutes driving through the urban miles, but then be able to take a five, six hour uh, rest and then assume driving. That requires uh, some modifications in the current FMCSA rules and FMCSA is already moving towards that direction and we have active conversations with them. I see, okay. it's. Uh, a really interesting aspect of this, of course, because uh, these these rules and, and regulations were not written with platooning in mind. So it's a new technology, and uh, there are certainly some some finer points of of a regulation like hours of service that uh, do need to be looked at. Uh, and it's good to hear that those conversations are ongoing. Of course, when you look at the current hours of service regulations, it's all written in the pen and paper era, without the digitalization, without any kind of data stream from the trucks. And truck driving is a very serious, very critical job that we need to make sure that uh, everybody is safe all the time. So now uh, with the advances in the technology, the incoming data streams through the electronic logging devices and with the advances in the uh, new technologies like what Locomation is developing, now we have actually uh, quantifiable hard evidence that we can present to the regulators and ask for some flexibilities. So we will see that uh, gaining more momentum as we go forward. Now, for Locomation's initial platooning system, there will still be a driver in the follower truck. You know, even if that driver is off-duty, there's still a person in the vehicle, you know, even if they're not actively driving. Uh, but when you look ahead, uh, do you anticipate someday reaching a point where that follower truck uh, is really uh, becomes an unmanned drone truck, and you have a driver still in the lead vehicle but not the rear vehicle? And uh, can the platoon expand from two to three or even more trucks? Uh, so understand that we may be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but what do you see as the, the path forward for platooning technology in the years ahead? That's an excellent question and a very on-point on, on uh, observation. That's uh, indeed in uh, on our roadmap. We are starting initially with two trucks and two driver convoys, but uh, as we move forward, uh, one of the first things will, that will happen is on select routes where the uh, the nature of the route itself permits, we will see a two-truck, two single-driver convoys for certain uh, segments. 
And then we uh, will expand the length of the convoy from two trucks to three trucks to be able to uh, schedule more uh, across the industry and have mixed and matched co uh, convoys going to the same direction with uh, only some of the trucks will have some human drivers. Maybe just one driver as the lead uh, in the lead position or maybe two drivers, but three trucks, the third truck being a drone follower. Have your cake and eat it too. Mutual of Omaha Bank has the lending capacity and national geographic reach you need to grow your trucking and transportation business. Yet, they're small enough to provide a dedicated relationship team and the personal touch your company deserves. Find your banking sweet spot with Mutual of Omaha Bank. To discuss your needs, give Brian Hoban a call at 913-312-4403. That's Brian Hoban at 913-312-4403. And I also want to circle back to the question uh, of fuel efficiency gains that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of the early conversation about platooning has centered on saving fuel with some estimating uh, in the range of 10% savings for the rear truck. Uh, but actually at the beginning of this year, uh, Martin Dom, who's the head of Daimler's global truck division, uh, did cast some doubt on the the real world fuel economy gains that you can uh, really achieve based on their testing. Uh, so, Chetan, I want to get your take on what's really achievable in terms of fuel economy gains from platooning. We believe with uh, Locomation's approach of fully autonomous followers, we can, we are able to get the uh, the gap distance, the separation distance between two trucks to a very narrow uh, separation, and hence uh, really really discourage or maybe even make impossible to cut in. And what Daimler was citing was the cut-ins resulting the follower truck to first slow down and then have to re-accelerate to catch with the, the convoy and that re-acceleration erasing most of the fuel gains from platooning. In Locomation's approach, we don't have to slow down and accelerate. Instead, we can maintain a very smooth uh, cruising all over the, the, the platooning segment and uh, According to our projections, we'll be able to get the estimated fuel savings with our system. Okay, and what would be a typical uh, following distance with with your system, and uh, would you be able to project a, a roughly uh, you know rough uh, fuel economy savings percentage? Understanding that there's a lot of variables in that, there is, there, there really is. But uh, in a, uh, we we are aiming to hit seven or eight meters separation distance at highway speeds when we go fully commercial. Of course, in the initial testing scenarios, we will start with larger gap distances and over time make it uh, smaller. But for the commercial deployment scenario, we are shooting for seven or eight meters or roughly uh, 20 feet uh, separation distance. And at those distances, we should be able to see on average 8% per truck fuel savings, which uh, when you decompose it, it's about 5 to 6% for the lead truck and about 10 to 12% for the follower truck. Now, before we continue, I, I do want to rewind a little bit and you know, talk a little bit about your background and also how you started Locomation. So, Chetan, take us back to the beginning. You know, what really sparked your interest in, in truck platooning and you know, why did you decide to start this company and, and how did it all come together? Uh, my fascination with AI and robotics started about uh, 20 years ago. And uh, since then, I devoted my career in understanding how to make robots, mobile robots, more intelligent and more useful. And I've always been fascinated with the systems engineering aspect of it, building entire systems to address real world problems. 
About 10 years ago, I joined Carnegie Mellon University, and I spent a good, half, good part of the last decade at National Robotics Engineering Center, which is the applied R&D branch of Robotics Institute of Carnegie Mellon, where I met most of my co-founders there, and we've spent a lot of time uh, collectively over 100 years uh, working on autonomous vehicles. In fact, we've even built uh, military truck convoys in the past. And being around heavy machinery all these times, we've always kept an eye on the trucking and transportation. And we've always felt that uh, trucking actually has the biggest potential for the prime first application of autonomy at commercial scale. So about two years ago, we decided to take all of our expertise and know-how and apply to a very well-defined commercial problem that we believe we can actually build a product in a short time frame and use that product to reach uh, higher levels of benefits later on. That's how we decided to start Locomission, and that's how we decided to focus on trucking and truck convoying as the very first step. Well, thanks for that. And you know, speaking of you know this pathway to to truck platooning, uh, where does Locomation stand today on its path toward launching a commercial product? Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the technical trials and on on road testing that you're working on right now. Yeah, we have been quietly. Uh, working very diligently on our technology. And we started testing our trucks in closed tracks, closed test tracks, a couple of months ago. And right now we are in the process of doing the final integration and final uh, shakeout tests. Later in uh, September, we will, around end of September, we will actually start doing some uh, public road tests. We have a, a signed trial agreement with a top carrier that uh, we will announce separately. Uh, so we will start, uh, pulling commercial loads as part of their operations somewhere in Southwest as early as uh, end of September, early October timeframe. All right. Well, we'll certainly uh, watch for that. That'll be very interesting to uh, to learn more about uh, as that comes to fruition. And uh, you're kind of looking ahead. Uh, how soon might we see a broad commercial launch of this platooning system, not just trials, but you know, reaching a point where a fleet can actually go order and install uh, your technology and, and deploy your technology. We are aiming to start shipping the very first commercial units sometime in the calendar year of 2021. Okay. So it's really around the corner. And how will you take this technology to market? Uh, do you envision this as something that will have to be factory installed by the, the truck manufacturers? Uh, or will there be an aftermarket opportunity, uh, at least in the beginning? Uh, what is your strategy for going to market? So there are really uh, two lanes of development there. In one lane, of course, eventually in the in some some point in the future, this technology will be uh, blended uh, in the, OE, the OEM and tier one supply technologies. But that's a longer play. In the short term, we want it to be really on the market as soon as possible and uh, with as, as wide of an audience as possible. So we are uh, developing our system as an aftermarket retrofit kit that uh, can be bolted on customer trucks. Uh, and we envision that from this initial aftermarket kit design, we will have a gradual path towards deeper and deeper integration with the existing OEM and tier one designs. But initially we are, we are going to be an aftermarket retrofit kit. Okay. Um, you know, finally, before I let you go, uh, I also want to ask you to look ahead and, and share your thoughts on how trucking might be different, say 10 years from now. You know, some of the big trends we see today are, of course, automated driving. Uh, you can think of platooning as part of that. Uh, also, a move toward um, the first introduction of electric trucks. And, uh, of course, we've seen connected vehicles be a, a broad trend uh, for some time now. But how much of that do you think will be a reality a decade from now? 
I think we will see bits and pieces of all. So we will definitely see some early uh, generation electric trucks in the short haul parts or the last mile or last uh, couple of tens of miles delivery parts. We will definitely see a lot more connected vehicles with different levels of automation. And we will definitely see some automated driving. Uh, I, I believe in the next decade, we will start seeing some fully driverless trucks on select routes, but I don't think it's going to be a blanket solution and we will not have every single semi-truck driving itself with no human uh, present on the cab in the next decade. So there will be progress all over, but uh, we are not going to hit the eventual very, very uh, long-term goals in the next 10 years. All this stuff takes time, of course. It takes time. Usually it's more of, a, of an evolution than a revolution, but uh, we are on the cusp of a lot of very uh, interesting developments in, in trucking, to say the least. Absolutely. And evolution is not a very bad thing, as long as uh, you can be cognizant and resourceful about uh, embracing the evolution and make sure that you are getting the best uh, commercial benefits out of what is possible and available today, rather than just waiting for a, a, a multi-decade uh, research experiment to pan out. You know, this has really been a, a fascinating conversation, but I think we've reached a pretty good stopping point here. So just want to say thanks again for joining us, Chetan, and, and sharing all your thoughts and you know, all the very interesting stuff that you're working on at Locomation. It's been a delight and great pleasure. Thanks so, thanks so much again for having me, Seth. As a member of the trucking and transportation industry, you're always on the go. In fact, you're probably on the go right now. That's why Mutual of Omaha Bank has developed a mobile banking platform that connects with your business's existing software and allows you to bank whenever and from wherever you want. Mutual of Omaha Bank, here to help keep you going. To discuss your needs, give Brian Hoban a call at 913-312-4403. That's Brian Hoban at 913-312-4403. Next on Road Signs, I'd like to welcome my colleague, Eleanor Lamb, a government reporter at Transport Topics. Thanks for joining the program. Good to be with you, Seth. So we've been discussing the development of truck platooning technology during this episode, but now I'd really like to take a look at the regulatory environment for automation. So Eleanor, you spend a lot of time covering the Department of Transportation and regulatory agencies like FMCSA. Uh, Generally speaking, how would you describe public officials' overall stance toward automated vehicle technology within the trucking industry? Uh, Do you get the sense that they're optimistic, cautious, or maybe a bit of both? I think a little bit of both. I've seen we I think we've seen a lot of interest in preparation from federal agencies, which is a good thing. It's better than turning a blind eye. It's better than pretending autonomous technologies are not an element of the future. Uh, We've seen in October, uh, Secretary Elaine Chao released Autonomous Vehicles uh, 3.0. That's the agency's guidelines over autonomous technologies. We've seen. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration and NHTSA both uh, put out requests for comment regarding automated driving systems. So, you know, on, on the whole, we've seen a, an interest uh, from federal agencies to learn more about the potential of this technology and any concerns therein. Okay. And you mentioned the AV 3.0 guidelines. The DOT released those last year. Uh, what were some of the biggest takeaways from that document? Well, some of them, you know, not not super surprisingly, there's a priority for safety. So there, there's no sense that uh, they're going to be regulating any technologies that, that are not uh, unsafe for, for people out on the roads. Um, 
they've also stressed uh, the need to potentially modernize regulations, which is important. You know, they're they're showing that they they recognize that they might need to be flexible as these technologies emerge. Uh, one thing I will say is that uh, Secretary Chow, during that uh, announcement event of AV 3.0, she acknowledged that some people have raised public concern over security and privacy when it comes to these technologies. Uh, she said that nearly three-fourths of American drivers have expressed fear and anxiety about riding in a self-driving vehicle. And that's to say nothing about driving beside or behind a self-driving vehicle. So, you know, she's met with Silicon Valley leaders to kind of, you know, first of all, learn, but also to kind of spread awareness and, and help uh, as far as public image goes, uh, the understanding that these technologies will be certainly well studied. Yeah, public acceptance is, is definitely going to be a big part of this. I don't think there's any doubt. And uh, public officials definitely are aware of that. Uh, they're acutely aware of that. Yeah. Uh, Getting a little bit more specific, are there any other uh, new developments at the federal level for automated trucks at some of the agencies? Well, you know, the uh, the agency that regulates trucks, FMCSA, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, they were one of two agencies this past, uh, this past May that set out a notice of proposed rulemaking requesting input on automated driving systems, which, uh, you know, that encompasses lane departure warning systems, but also truck platooning. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're requesting comment because they understand that this is a regulatory area that may require some adjustment in the future. And they're looking to learn more about the differences between human and automated drivers and how that translates to the vehicles and the transportation environment that they will have to regulate. So, you know, we're, we're still in that window for them collecting public comment. But once they do, it'll be interesting to see if them and NHTSA make any changes regarding uh, policy. Sure. And let's also take a moment to talk about driver hours of service. And of course, this is a very hot topic in general in the industry right now, right. but uh, within the, the context of automated vehicles and especially you know, automated trucks, this is a very important uh, question moving forward. Uh, in those AV 3.0 guidelines, uh, DOT specifically says that hours of service regulations would not apply to vehicles that don't require a human operator. But, of course, it's not quite so cut and dried for the partially automated vehicles that we're likely to see in the, the near term. Uh, so, Eleanor, what are your thoughts on how regulators might handle hours of service in cases where the driver controls the vehicle at some times, but will be completely disengaged from driving at other times? Well, you know, Seth, I can see this as being potentially a squeaky wheel policy-wise in the future, because hours of service rules are, are important. You know, they, they dictate uh, how much... Uh, rest a, a driver needs to get, which then determines how uh, alert that driver is on the road. But if a driver is, let's say, asleep while uh, an automated system is engaged, they're, you know, they will have to iron out how, how asleep is that person allowed to be? You know, do they have to be somewhat alert in case something goes wrong and they have to override the system? I, you know, personally, if I was in a, in a truck, in the cab of a truck that was driving itself, I'd want, <laughs> I wouldn't want to close my eyes. I would want to be there to, to see if anything went wrong. So I, I think that's going to take a little bit of ironing out in the future. Right. And, you know, the policy will, would have to match, of course, the level of automation of the vehicle right. itself. Uh, and we see, a, we're going to see a gradation of different levels of automation and perhaps different levels, you know, just have to be treated differently. So that's a lot of complexity. And of course, none of these rules were written with any of these technologies in mind. Right. They didn't exist. 
so that is, you know, that is the challenge that, uh, you know, the industry, that technology developers and regulators will have uh, moving forward. Right. Now for platooning, we've also seen some legislative and regulatory action at the state level. Uh, there are some states that do have uh, pretty specific following distance requirements, and of course that can be a problem for platooning, where the following distances can be very short due to the you know vehicle to vehicle and and automatic braking technology. Uh, so where does that stand right now on the state level? Well, you know it's interesting, Seth. Some states have, like Ohio have pursued uh, autonomous and platooning uh, activities at a testing level, but I, I will say this: some states that don't even have truck platooning activities going on have already enacted legislation pertaining to autonomous trucks. Louisiana's uh, autonomous truck rules just went into effect August 1st, and they're not alone. There there are plenty of states, I, I think maybe about half of all the states have enacted autonomous truck legislation and autonomous vehicle legislation. So it, it shows that it's something that they're interested in, even if they're not quite there yet, which is a good sign. Yeah. And we've been talking a lot about regulation here, but of course, law enforcement is also a big part of this uh, when the rubber meets the road. Uh, so you can imagine how a highway patrol officer might react to seeing a truck on the highway and the, the driver's resting in the sleeper berth and there's no one behind the wheel. Uh, or even if there's a, just a, a very short following distance in a truck platoon, you know, that can look like an extreme case of tailgating to a, an observer. Uh, so how much education and cooperation will need to happen among all the parties involved, you know, the technology developers, the, the regulators, and law enforcement uh, to have a smooth rollout? Uh, tons, tons of cooperation and education will have to happen. Uh, surely uh, inspectors alongside the road will have to be trained to look for certain signs, as you mentioned, and they're going to learn about that from the people who are developing this technology. So that's going to require those, uh, those tech people to be on board. And then, of course, uh, regulators are going to have to be involved as well because they're going to have to be the ones studying and setting policy for these vehicles. Well, I really appreciate all your insights, Eleanor, um, as always. But uh, I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up here. Thanks again for joining us. I've really enjoyed it. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open Transport Topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics. As we draw to a close, let's go back and reconsider our original question. What will it take for truck platooning to become a reality? As we consider this technology, it's important to remember that fleets will only adopt it if they see a clear return on investment. And the case for platooning becomes much stronger if it's not just a fuel economy play, but also a way to enhance safety, boost productivity, and potentially reduce labor costs. Looking ahead, there's a lot of room for this concept to evolve. Over time, as platooning technology advances, the convoys could expand to three or more trucks, and the follower trucks may even become unmanned drones that automatically follow a lead truck piloted by a professional driver. However, each step forward also adds to the technical challenge for the developers of these systems. And for the technology to take hold, government regulators and the motoring public must accept it. To that point, Platooning could be a more palatable way to introduce unmanned trucks on the highway because they would be dependent on a lead vehicle that still has a driver behind the wheel. If platooning does indeed reach the point where the driver and the follower truck can go off duty or even starts to incorporate unmanned trucks, this technology may start to help solve the industry's most pressing challenge, recruiting and retaining drivers. To be clear, professional drivers will remain absolutely essential to trucking for decades to come, but the industry could begin to put a dent in the driver shortage by enabling those drivers to become more productive and supporting them with more advanced technology. Only time will tell how successful or widespread platooning may eventually become, 
but the potential benefits of platooning expand significantly when the return on investment is built not on fuel economy alone, but also on safety and driver productivity. The next episode of Road Science will continue the conversation about how various forms of automated driving could change the trucking industry in the years ahead. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.